Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out wrightfarmhousechurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. So I am really enjoying going through 1 Corinthians 13. I enjoyed the study this week, and I hope that you'll be able to kind of get an idea of, of the importance of what we are learning as we go through it piece by piece and we really kind of dig into into what we're learning in first corinthians by going kind of word by word so first corinthians 13 is paul's definition of love and we know that god is love and we know that jesus was a perfect representation of god so we know that jesus is is love and his example that he set for us in the new testament um so back in 2009, a guy named Steve, I think it's Munfordo, you know this story? <laughs> we'll say Stephen Munfordo. He was at a Philadelphia Phillies baseball game with his three-year-old daughter. You're five, but you were once three, and you weren't allowed to grow any older, but you disobeyed me. So it's like going to a baseball game with my Maryland. And we're going to a baseball game today, Lord willing, so that'll be kind of, this is kind of a neat story. Trash Panda's baseball game. Um, so Steve had been a big fan of the Phillies for his whole life, and they were, he and his daughter, they were sitting in an upper deck seat, and a foul ball gets hit their way, and Steve catches this, he catches this foul ball, something that I've always wanted to do, and it was this once-in-a-lifetime event. He catches this ball, and he smiles really big, and he hands the, he hands the baseball to his three-year-old daughter, and he's thinking that she would hold it and cherish this baseball. Uh, and and because and, you know her dad catches it and gives it to her, uh, but guess what she did? She takes yes, she takes this awesome souvenir and she throws it right back into the lower stands, never to be seen again. Uh, and his reaction is really great. He. Uh, <clears throat> Instead of getting mad or reacting in a, in a bad way, he picks her up and he gives her a big hug. And he was later quoted as saying something like, like I just wanted to make sure she knew it was okay uh, when the crowd reacted loudly to her, to her throwing it back. So today we are in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, obviously, and we're in verse 5. And we're looking at this description of love where it says, do not be easily angered or says do not be easily angered or versions will say irritable or provoked and i think it's really important that we examine the word today the greek word today because i always study the greek words as we go through it and this chapter is really interesting because every version says something different for all of these words it's really interesting how it does that so i think it's really important that we examine and the niv says easily angered and uh, king james will say easily provoked and uh, the ESV will say irritable. But one thing I was telling Colleen last night is the reason that it's important to understand the original language here is because when we say love is not easily angered, what does that mean to you? What does easily angered mean to you? Where is the line drawn? And let me ask you, was Jesus ever angered? Yeah, he was angered. He, he was angered in the temple. He was angry at the Pharisees a lot, right? But he was righteously angry. So in our lives, I think what we end up doing is we, we end up saying uh, we can't be easily angered, but then we all have a line where we go, oh, I was angered 
uh, I must have, I don't think that was a little bit more angry than what Jesus would have been, even though it was righteous. So I might have crossed a line. And we keep pushing that line back so, so much that eventually what happens is in churches, the leadership end up saying you can't be angry at all about anything. So they start allowing all kinds of sinful behavior in because they say you can't be angry because I think it, you might be getting close to easily angered. Or you might be close to getting close to irritable. Or you might be getting close to easily provoked. And you start drawing lines and you make a law out of easily angered. And we know that we do not need to be making laws about, out of what we're hearing here. We are, we are past that now. So it's important that we understand the Greek word. Okay? okay? So the Greek word here is paroxino. Para in the Greek means alongside. And oxys means a sharp edge. So the definition is to properly cut close alongside. For example, it's to incite or jab someone and stimulate their feelings or emotions to become emotionally provoked or upset, roused to anger, personally getting to someone to provoke feelings, spurring someone to action. So it's provoking someone and they and they act on it in a way that they shouldn't be acting on. The only other time that the word is used in the New Testament, <coughs> excuse me, is in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, where Paul is greatly troubled over seeing all of the idols that are in the city. So this is the only other time that it's used. He is, it says, and I, I included a lot of different versions here, and I put in bold where the word is being translated, okay? And the NIV, it says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. This is the same word as being easily angered in 1 Corinthians 13, okay? In the ESV, it says, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him. Same word, as he saw that the city was full of idols. The King James says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And then the New King James says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him. So you see how we've utilized the same word to, to, to display a, a range of, a, of kind of, a, of emotions, prov provocations, and, 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 and being stirred. Your emotions are stirred. So it's a word that is used to describe our emotions being deeply affected. So I think we can see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, that Paul is trying to tell the Corinth church that a loving person does not easily let his emotions get to him. Yesterday we were at Longy's baseball game, and there's this little boy who, he when he struck, swung the bat and missed it, even on strike one, boy, he was just flailing, and everything was everybody else's fault. And I thought about this word as I was watching this little boy. He slamming his helmet down. Um, so a loving person does not let... His emotions stir him to an action that he is going to regret later. Okay? It seems very easily tied into an earlier statement that love is patient. Right? Can we see that now? How he, he started with love is patient. Now we're to, to what's translated as easily angered or provoked or irritable. But as we see the word in deeper context, we can see that it's patient when something happens to us or somebody says something to us. We don't easily emotionally react in a way that we go later, I shouldn't have 
I shouldn't have reacted that way, okay? So going back to our baseball video, I think, I think in that moment for Mr. Stephen Manfordo, as Marilyn would put it, I think it would have been easier for him to show frustration or, or exasperation or anger because, because things didn't go the way that he planned. Uh, I'm sure he had spent a lot of money on those tickets. Um, he had taken a lot of time in his life, invested into this baseball team probably. And I've always wanted to catch a foul ball. And I haven't come close. Today, hopefully, we'll catch a foul ball. Um, but he catches this foul ball for his daughter, and she didn't appreciate it the way that he thought that she would, right? Yeah, you'll keep it, I hope. But when you think about it, it's easy to say, it's easy to say I would have reacted the right way too. But in the moment, in these moments, these things that happened to us, would we have reacted the same way, you know? In these moments, do we ever act, do we ever, do we ever quite act the way that we wish we have, that we would have acted when we've had a chance to kind of reflect on it later. Um, but Steve demonstrated love, I think, because he was not easily angered at his daughter. He wasn't easily provoked at the situation, even when things didn't go well, even when she didn't act the way that he had hoped that she would. Sometimes Paul tells us in this chapter of what, and we've said this before, sometimes he tells us of what love is, and, and sometimes he tells us what it's not. Uh, and this is one of those occasions where he says, he says, love is not easily angered or love is not irritable. Love is not grouchy. Love is not quick to pull the trigger in a situation to be frustrated or exasperated with someone. When do, when do you get uh, grouchy or, or easily angered or irritable? Uh, for you, is it, is it in the morning before you've had your coffee and everybody knows to avoid you, you know? Uh, is it when you're under a lot of pressure? For me, I, I know that I get a little bit, I get a little bit antsy and might react in a bad, in a, in, in an incorrect way. Uh, when, when I've had, when I have a lot of work on my plate, when I've come home from my, what we call my paycheck job and, and I have a ton of coffee to roast and I've just got to get it all done because the boys have practice. Am I reacting the right way when Jonah comes up and needs a hug? You know, that's the kind of thing I think about. Um, do we have enough self-awareness to know when we're, when we're more sensitive or when we're being easily angered? And the gospel tells us the story about how the disciples, they were easily frustrated with people in a story we're about to look at and how Jesus showed them the example of how not to be irritable when he had every excuse to be. Remember uh, that Jesus is love. We said this earlier and that he is the perfect demonstration of this whole chapter in Corinthians uh, 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So in Mark's, Mark chapter 6, the disciples, they seem to be easily angered in this story. And Jesus shows love instead of irritability. So before this story happens that we're about to look at, uh, Jesus has sent the 12 out in what's called the limited commission. And they've gone out to do this awesome ministry. God, Jesus has given them this power. And they've seen and they've done these amazing things. Um but it's been tiring and it's been exhausting and they've come back and they're ready to rest away, away from the crowds for a little bit. They want to spend time alone with Jesus in the story. So they get in a boat and, and, and to get away from the crowds. And, and Jesus here in Mark chapter six, verse 31, he says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and, he's, and rest a while. So Jesus recognizes their need for rest. So they get into this boat to go to a quiet place, but guess what? 
The crowd sees where they're going, and they run around to the other side. Before the boat even lands, they're waiting on, on them. So it didn't quite turn out the way that the disciples had hoped, uh, or probably that Jesus had hoped, to be honest. These people that they're trying to get away from, these people that they're trying to get away from, they won't leave them alone. So when they show up on the other side of the lake, there are these needy people again, and the disciples are just exasperated with the situation. They're tired. The people are hungry. These people need food. And the disciples, they suggest that they be sent away to go buy, just go buy your own food. That's what they say. The last thing that they want to deal with is these people. But Jesus' response is really different than that. It says here in verse 34 of chapter 6 that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus doesn't tell them to go take care of their own food. He miraculously feeds all of them. He meets their needs. He wasn't frustrated with them. He wasn't easily angered or irritable or grouchy, but the disciples were. Um, they had a plan of what they thought was going to happen, right? The disciples did, and it didn't go their way. When someone interferes with our plan, we can become easily irritated and we can react poorly. Jesus was perfectly human like us, but instead of lashing out at them, Instead of running away from them, instead of being frustrated with them, he reached out to meet their needs. He had, he had compassion on them. So where does anger come from? Where does, where does this, this Greek word of, of reacting emotionally come from? Why do we let our emotions get the best of us sometimes? Why do we let ourselves become distressed at something uh, when we shouldn't really react that way? It, it might be because... Because we think we know what's best for us. We're thinking about us. And we forget that God, many times, has a plan for us that is not our own way. All right? If we treated every irritating situation with the idea that God might be teaching us something, wouldn't we react differently? Uh, we, think that our, we think that our plans can satisfy us, and we, and we forget that what what will really satisfy me is Jesus, right? We forget to remember the example that Jesus had with the people around him throughout the Gospels who they needed him the most, even when it was extremely, many times extremely inconvenient. Love is not easily angered. Love is, not, love is patient. It's kind. It's all these things that we've been seeing in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and that, first, that Paul tells us about. It's not just an emotion. It's an action. Or it's, a thing, or it's an action that we shouldn't be doing like we've learned here. Another person in our lives, other people in our lives, are not going to give us ultimate satisfaction. Another person is not going to bring us ultimate happiness. Another person is not going to bring ultimate purpose or meaning or whatever else it is in our life. Only Jesus can be that. And when I'm satisfied and I'm happy in Jesus, I am free to love people for who they really are. I'm able to love people where they are in their lives. So next time we find ourselves letting our emotions get the better of us, or we feel distressed about a situation, let's think about this verse. Let's think about how it's a little bit deeper than just being easily angered. And let's ask ourselves, 
if we are being an example of Jesus with compassion for those who are truly who are truly seeking after him. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.